1: Did you see about this?
0: Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? This is it. This is the beginning of everything.
1: I've been waiting for this all oh, my life. G'day everybody, welcome back. I thought I'd give this episode a little bit of an intro and. To be honest, I don't think this is my best episode, and it doesn't come out of anything from the guest part or the information they represent. I don't feel like I offered enough in this episode in particular. Uh, as you know, my shows tend to be more conversation-based. You know, I'm a conversationalist. I love speaking to people with all different perspectives. I love the back and forth of conversations, the diving deeper, the digging into the weeds, all that type of stuff of conversation you would know from this podcast. This guest for today is Brandon Kroll, a wonderfully articulate, well-educated young man when it comes to theology. I was so excited to have him on, but I feel like I really let the team down on this one. Brandon tends to present his information via like a PowerPoint presentation, the types of things you would see in the corporate world or in academia or in schools. So it's very educational, which as you would all know, that's my background. So I think I almost fell into the trap of being the viewer and the watcher of someone else's podcast. And it meant that I didn't really engage in conversation like I normally do or to the best of my ability. I do value add to a couple of the the points that Brandon makes and pose a few questions, but I don't think this was my best episode, guys. Uh, I'd love for your feedback on this. Being more visually based as it is, I'll try to endeavor to get this one out on YouTube so you guys can see the, the slides. But in saying that, Bren's very good at actually describing what is happening in each slide, and I think even the audio itself will speak to the level of research and information this young guy's come across. So, I'll definitely have to have Brandon back on the show in the future, hopefully for a bit more of a laid-back conversation type of a show, something that you're more used to listening to on this show. It's something that I think was lacking in this podcast from my end, and Brandon really held up the show on this one. I was so focused on the information he was presenting. I felt like I was sitting back doing my own research, to be honest, and and looking at the work of other people. And I was trying to take it all on board and compartmentalise the things that had lined up with my own research. He was connecting a few dots for me. So I was a little bit uh, in awe, to be honest, a bit starstruck by the research that this young guy had done. And I completely forgot that it was my own podcast, to be honest. I only realised after recording the show that... Bloody hell, I didn't really engage in this conversation to the best of my ability. So I feel like I let everyone down in that regard. Please let me know if this was a great conversation. Personally, I think the information that's presented is amazing and will really open up your theological understandings of the Bible and history in general. But in saying that, here's the episode. I think you'll all enjoy it. It's two hours. It's quite a long one. Some great information there. If you're a person who's on a spiritual journey or you're interested in theology and history in general, this one will be right up your alley. Sit back, enjoy the episode, and please give me feedback on this one, guys. This is how I grow within my show, and I hope I've done it some justice. Welcome to episode 51 of your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the downright bizarre aspects of life, as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, I'm joined by a young bloke who's dived headfirst into theological research, history, and the occult. A young man making the rounds, spreading the word, and challenging the status quo within Christianity. Ladies and gentlemen, let us welcome Brandon Kroll.
0: Welcome, Brandon. Hey, how's it going?
1: Good, mate. Good. Uh, I heard you on a mutual friend of ours. uh, Yes. Over... And a, quite a, f- a few podcasts. Now, I believe you've got a show coming up with Cosmic Peach as well. Is that correct? Would you yes.
0: Um, we're doing part one right now, and then part two is supposed to be coming up for next week. We're going to be shooting.
1: Fantastic. And and like I said, you've been with Heidi recently. I've been listening to those ones, and I thought yes. I'd reach out to you and have a few conversations with you as well. Uh, a lot going on in the world at the moment. Um, a lot. Yeah. A lot of challenges I, I see happening within the, the faith of Christianity of what I think it was personally intended to be and what we've got today with the the mm-hmm. corporate type of religion that we see around the world. They say it's not a corporation, but you see the way it manages itself and the way it, it's kind of become bigger than the faith itself. I tend to see it as corporate sleaze religion at this point.
0: For real, yeah.
1: So, um, I- and you... And the conversation you're you're bringing up today is the sacred seed. But before we get into that, I thought I'd start off. How did you, were you raised a Christian? Did you find Christianity later on in life? How did this all start for you?
0: Um, I was raised in a Christian home. I didn't become um, a Christian or saved until I was about twelve. Had a very very stubborn streak in me. Um, I think I inherited it probably from my birth father. I, I'm not going to go into the huge story, but it's it's definitely for a whole podcast just to talk about that. Um, but yeah, I accepted Christ. And like the minute I said, I want you to steer the helm of my ship. That's the phrasing I used. It literally felt like a, like something was, whatever was on hold of me. I literally felt a little tingling going on. Like there was something definitely there. Um, is the best way to describe it. Like Pilgrim's progress, the boulder rolling off the back. That's what it felt like. And I kind of jumped. I even looked at my dad and he didn't see me jump, but I was kind of like, that was weird. But it was solidifying for me that what I just said meant something. There's definitely, I just I just took a step into something that I've never, like, I, I knew a lot about, but I never really understood that there was, like, this, this, the spiritual aspect, which is exactly what we're going to be diving into today. Um, the spiritual aspect of what that looks like, feels like, um, how that's interpreted in our everyday walk.
1: And just out of um, curiosity, was there a particular yeah. domin- denomination you were raised
0: in? Oh, goodness. <laughs> so my dad was very particular about denominations. And every time we'd go to a church, basically, he'd scout it out, he'd bring in the family, he'd start a problem with arguing <laughs> something with theology. And then we just awkwardly go for the next couple weeks, and then we just kind of dissipate. So it never was any uh, cemented denomination, personally speaking, myself, adamantly opposed to it. I think that's something that we're, we're, we're swinging away at branches while we're missing the root of the problem. Um and it's not like, oh, it's just kumbaya, let's all come together and accept everything. And I was like, no, there's I I see it as religious sects back in the day were Pharisees, Sadducees, and now we have Lutherans, Catholic, Baptists. It's just the same thing. It's been redone, rebooted to a modern level. And a lot of people aren't grasping that because they don't understand what it is to be in the Holy Spirit. So they're they're defending adjectives while they're missing the purpose of their spiritual walk.
1: Yeah, I often call myself denominationally homeless for a reason because not only was yes. I quite jaded by the whole idea of the physical institution of church as being raised a non-practicing Protestant, but uh, the Catholic Church left a sour taste in my mouth for seeing what they've done over over their time. And it's yes. almost like it's team politics, or who's your favorite sports team? That's what I see happening within the whole theological debate of which is the right path Great. which is the right church to be in which it's it's missing the forest through the trees half the time
0: yes very very well put that's that's i'd say i would align with those sentiments
1: fantastic so let's get into the, the spiritual side of things what's what's this presentation let's get stuck into it i'm eager to hear about this i've deliberately so, kind of shut my self off from podcasts and any kind of media or anything this week just to get ready for this
0: Oh, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, this is something God's been laying on my heart literally for months, and it just seems like always something more is added to it. And um, what I re- like, how I got started in all of this was I was going to a Baptist school down in Florida, and I really was just having a bit of an irksome with seeing, like, we're, we're memorizing verses, but like, where am I ever going to use this applicational verse? Or we're talking about stuff and like when they're talking about water into wine and it's all these stupid little things and i'm over here like we're missing something heavily here and i went on a walk one time in my neighborhood right down the street and a guy was talking with me and he was just saying you can't tell me that all of this just happened without some sort of outside interference like they could have put gold on top of the pyramids without some sort of help and that got me getting the gears going, like maybe there is something we are missing. And I've always been open. I'm not one of those people that's just like, oh, you're just wrong and stick to my theological guns and that's it. So I was stumbling around on Facebook. I read a comment where somebody mentioned Dr. Michael Heiser. I picked up his stuff, totally transformed a lot of stuff that I've ever uh, perceived, but I could see immediately where he was going. I veer sharply on a lot of his stuff, but I'd say he's definitely a Socrates and I, his Plato. He kind of got the ball rolling for me as to how to look at things a little bit differently when researching the Bible. And then the second individual would probably be my English teacher. While not a Christian, he was one of those guys that always pushed, what do you see in between the line that a lot of people might not see in their, this, this this text or this play? And I did a whole paper on the Odyssey called The Odd Essay, going out of left field saying, I think he's suffering from PTSD. And like the teacher loved it. And um, that's something how I've always kind of viewed scripture is like, well, what do, it, it's plausible, but is there any proof to it? And that's where I dig into the anthropology and etymology a lot of times and try to present a, a modern day argument of saying, do you know where this stemmed from? You know, examine if you be in the faith. That's kind of what this whole thing kicks into.
1: Yeah, you get the polar opposites of this, don't you? You get the extreme ends of, of the faith that are completely what I call bound by blind faith in exactly what's written in a book. And then you've yes. got the extreme end of academics who are very analytical, which I love because I'm that way myself. I yes. love being analytical, pulling things apart, seeing the trends, looking at the data sets that match up to try and form a greater picture. But I think ironically, like a lot of things, the truth always fits somewhere in the middle. And that's yes. what you really need to look for. And I love that you mentioned etymology. That's that's one of my things. When I I break down films for a podcast that I'm a part of, I nice. always look at the names and see how that name actually helps drive the story. And we don't realize how much language actually impacts our faith as Christians and understanding mm-hmm. the meaning behind the verses and things that are written for us.
0: Right, right. And if we did, we would understand a whole different realm. So that's if I can, I'm going to try to explain some stuff. Some slides, they're solely there just for a visual. So if it seems like a lot, don't worry about it. A lot of them going to be clicking through. Some of it you can screenshot, folks, and you can dig into this as your own little devotional. If we need to cut this into two parts, that's totally fine as well. Um, let's see. Is that going to move? Let's see. There we go. So I'm going to be trying to explain from Old Testament to New Testament the significance of what the temple is. I'm going to be under, trying to explain the best I can of explaining what the other side believes, Masonic, Catholic, um, a lot of the pagan origins of what they believe with the temple. And how that compare contrast to when people are calling, oh, this is God's house. Not quite. Um, and it's actually a really beautiful thing once you begin to understand what I'm going to unveil. Um, so anyways, we have... The regular temple, everybody can read about this in Leviticus, I believe, a little bit in Exodus as well, Um, in the way it was designed. A lot of this, I kind of want you just to kind of memorize a little bit, mull it over in your head what the visuals look like, because as I start unveiling some stuff, you're going to be like, oh, I see it now. Because just like in the occult, God has a very distinctive reason for having symbolisms and metaphors. And as somebody that loves writing, that's what God's given me a gift with. Um, I really look for that in a story or how can I convey a, an ironic metaphor undertone for somebody to kind of pick out and choose. And that's kind of what I'm trying to show with these slides today. Um, So we have over here an Exodus 25 to 31, the instructions for building the tabernacle Exodus 35 through 40, the work done that is blessed. Um, I'm not, too heavily tacking into this stuff because we are pressed for time, but just basically giving a little bit of a premise and build up, as you can see that they have like the foyer area of the tabernacle, quote unquote. And then they have the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was stored. Now it's very interesting that as we start as they started evolving, they started making it with stone. They started making it with, you know, brick or whatever equivalent would be over there. And there was a reason why they always had everything in play. The Holy of Holies, again, everybody knows that only the priest could go in there once a year. And he would make, you know, personal sacrifice. they tie a rope around him just in case he, you know, passed out or something like that. So they could pull him out of the chamber. Because only the high priest could go in there. So now we have to understand. King Solomon. A lot of us kind of glance over this part in our Bibles, where we're hearing he fell away and started to worship Ashtaroth. Now, if you've been listening to a lot of my stuff with Heidi, um, you'll already kind of get a little bit of a premise background build up that Ashtaroth is an equivalent of Nimrod's wife. Um, She was the first witch in the Bible. So this is very significant because if Solomon fell away, and in Freemasonry, they have the belief that connects to the Knights Templars, that when they went over to the Holy Land, they found the ring of Solomon. This is the lore. This is the story that goes about with it. And that is the star of David, quote unquote. And there's a reason they have a belief that this is a significant sign because when they had this, they were beginning to think, oh, well we can contact these other fallen deities and stuff like that. And we can have access to a supernatural realm. We have power over this. So they began spitting on crosses. They began worshiping Baphomet and as I've explained, that's not what we're delving into too heavily in today. Um, Baphomet is an equivalent of Nimrod's son, Tammuz. So they started worshipping a doppelganger. Because a lot of times, you're going to see a little bit of that today. Um, they started worshipping the doppelganger of Nimrod's son. And this is the basis of Freemasonry. This is where the Christmas tree comes from. This is where the dollar on our money, um, the one eye symbol- symbolism comes from. Um, so over here we have a guy by the name of Hiram and Hiram um, connects with Hiram of Bith and Freemasonry. He is related to the construction of the temple. The Masonic tradition records the legend of Hiram of Bith in the third degree. Um, the allegory describes Hiram of Bith as the chief architect working alongside King Solomon and Hiram of Tyre. Construction of the temple lasted years and members of the craft were frustrated with the longevity of the building process and the time required to advance in their titles and expertise. Three demanded Hiram divulge the knowledge of a master mason in order to accelerate their advancement in masonry, without the required years of experience. Upon Hiram's refusal, the men struck him dead. In the night, the murderers moved his body outside the city to be buried, marking the site with a spring. Uh, Aksia? Aksia? The grave, however, was soon discovered, and those at fault were brought to justice. Freemasons throughout the world find meaning in the legend of Hiram as an example of faith, fidelity, courage, and justice. Now, this is the guy that was in charge of building the temple, the physical temple.
1: So where, just sorry to jump in, where does this, with the, the Masonic Hiram Abiff side of things, and the way that we're told scripturally through the old Testament of King Solomon, where does this line up with the idea of demons being bound and used to build the construction of the temple? Is this more of a spiritual analogy or is it, does it have a basis in the metaphysical?
0: I'm going to be, I'm going to be elaborating a little bit onto that. Um, not so much with building the temple. I wouldn't, I would have to say, I would say more so when they were building the tower of Babel, um, That that was more the inspiration for the star, the pentagram, and the all-seeing eye. This connects to D, which, again, if you've already been watching the Heidi stuff, you already are getting a bit of a basis. Um, With the building of the temple, I think the best way to describe it, and I'm going to be elaborating as we keep going further, is that while one side was representing God, there was another side that was representing Nimrod. And, when they, and they began to merge the two concepts with the perverse meaning, with perverse interpretations. And therefore, we get the idea of, oh, we're worshiping Christ on Christmas. And it's like, no. And we keep merging with the other cultures saying, oh, well, we can all have it be the same one. No. There's a distinction with God and, and his separation. I'm going to be explaining, even with the significance of the genitals, of what this means in Freemasonry and what they could possibly symbolize with God. And as we keep unraveling this mystery of the temple, you're going to start seeing, oh, I understand now these metaphors when we get to the New Testament. And you're going to see verse after verse after verse that's kind of giving a buildup of, yeah, I've already laid this all out to you and I explained it to you. There's a reason why I had my people do these traditions as they did in these customs, because I was showing you an analogy of things to come. And a lot of them didn't grasp what it was. They just got caught up in the routine. And that's kind of what I'm trying to make the analogy of. In our modern day, we're getting caught up in the routine while missing the basis of what it is, the sacred seed. We don't understand it. Um, anyways, to, to give a little bit of build up and context, um over here for his presence to reign supreme, the phallic symbols and fire should be lit to honor him. The supposed child of that union is Horus, aka Tammuz able to be found in Ezekiel 8, 14. Um, The reincarnate of Nimrod, Semiramis claimed a full-grown evergreen tree sprang out in the roots of a dead tree stump. This symbolized the springing forth of a new life for Nimrod on the anniversary of Nimrod's birth, December 25th. She said that Nimrod would visit the evergreen tree and leave gifts under it. This is the genesis of the Christmas tree, the symbol of Nimrod. This equates to approximately nine months after Easter, or the date of Ishtar became pregnant with to now this is significant because while the occult is worshipping a guy that allegedly solved the secrets of the universe the, the the fallen watchers the technology that they gave him the sacred tablets as most people are familiar if they got into the gary Wayne stuff what i've connected is that Hermes is not just some oh guy that partnered with nimrod that was, was kind of cool and smart this is his son and what they are doing are worshiping regeneration, reincarnation. So Nimrod kind of came into two things. One, he became Osiris, Sernonus, the god of the underworld. And the second, he came back in a reincarnated form of his son, Tammuz. Whereas we worship Christ that came back in the living flesh. Like, you've already seen me like this before. This isn't, this isn't a secret. You, I just proved them a fraud. Because everybody else creates all these deities and statues to remember them by. But I just came back in the flesh. And you can see it. See? Remember when they put me to death? That's what I'm showing you. They can't do that. Because when they're dead, they're staying dead. So that's the significance between the occult and what Christianity believes. It's a parallel. But it's one that believes, oh, I can ascend to become like a god because I have the technology to do this. Whereas the other one is saying you need to humble yourself to come into God's presence so that I can give you the former Watcher's position on the Council of Heaven. At least that's my theory. If you listen to Cryptid Warfare, um, I did an episode on that kind of explaining a little bit more. I'll be doing a reboot, um, a little bit added stuff with Heidi and Janet um, very soon.
1: It's interesting that, here, um, that Nimrod yeah. has a lot of correlations. Like you gave the Egyptian an Al- uh, counterpart to it, but even within yes. the Indian culture, you see um, Krishna, Comes, is supposed to come back when humanity needs him and he, he reincarnates in a different form each time. Now, yes. is, it a, an, is it a case of a, a reincarnation as New Ages would understand it? Or is it more of a case of that entity possessing another human-based form or demigod form?
0: I'd say it's a little bit of all. Because basically it can be whatever you want it to be as long as you don't believe in creator God. At the end of the day, that's kind of what they're coming to the conclusion of. As long as you don't believe in him, it could be whatever version you want. It's kind of the best way to describe it. Um, this is from a Freemasonry website. Uh, Hermes, Brother Will, um, Wilmhurst, also regards the name of Hiram as identical with Hermes. And Hermes is another equivalent of Tammuz. And thinks that a connection can be traced between the form um, Hiram and Sanskrit word, guru which means spiritual teacher. He therefore takes Hiram Bif to signify the father teacher or the teacher from the father. Um, that's the Masonic initiation. That Hiram was um, a widow's son and is also a significant fact. Horus, you see the connection right there, as the child of Isis was the reincarnation of his own father, Osiris. And as soon as the posmuthius pos- um, child might well be described as a widow's son, to the tribe of Nepathali, he was born and resided in Tyre, and may well therefore have learned from Dionysian fraternity, which had center there. Now Dionish, Dionysius or uh, is basically another equivalent of Nimrod from what I've been able to trace and piece together. He's the mask god of theater, masks from twenty twenty. They're very um ironic with their symbolism with what they're unveiling to us. It's it's, it's not of in the Egyptian, when Osiris is found, the phallus is lost. In the Masonic, when Hiram is found, the word is lost. Isis furnishes a substitute for the phallus. The Master furnishes a substitute word. Isis raises the prostrate form of him who was slain. She takes him from his essence. She conceives and brings forth the son. In the Masonic rite, the Master raises the prostrate form of him who was slain. Whispers in his ear the mystic word, and a son, a mason, is born into the lodge. In the Egyptian rite, Osiris looked again in his son Horus, in the Masonic, the slain. Hiram lives again in the newly made master mason, who is frequently termed the widow's son. And just like we have a baptismal ceremony of being born again, coming up from the water, they have a ceremony of you died, but you're coming back. Like you're, you're regenerated. You, you you stood your ground for the pagan aspect. And this is a clip that somebody caught in a Arizona lodge, basically demonstrating what I just read here and the other uh, two slides. A few moments later. So now you can see that <laughs> this is actually something that they believe. It's a ritual. It's almost as important as baptism for Christianity. But it means something to them. Um, the best way to describe King Solomon is that he was basically a forefather of the occult. I'm going to be explaining a little bit about that. And again, I'm going to Freemasonry websites to explain a lot of this stuff. Uh, this is the Grand Lodge of Ohio and the symbolism of King Solomon's temple and the ways it relates to Freemasonry today. Let us learn of our temple and the valuable uh, symbol- symbolism as we move in forward with our crafts. Now, you'll note the two pillars. This is something very significant uh, in Freemasonry. One represents Boaz. The other one is Jekin. Um, basically, one represents light. The other represents darkness. I kind of wanted to reduce some slides, so I wasn't able to grab some other stuff. But to give a bit of a, bit of a rundown of what it all means, according to the rabbi, Raymond Apple. Jewish commentators on um, 1 Kings seven twenty one maintain that it was when one stood inside the building and looked out toward the entrance to the east that uh, Jachin on the right to the south and Boaz on the um, on the left to the north, according to the first century uh, Romano Jewish scholar Josephus's book Antiquities of the Jews, Jachin uh, meaning he. It will establish stood on the right of the portico of Solomon's temple, while Boaz, Hebrew meaning um, in him, it is strength, stood on the left. And the two were made a Canaanite craftsman named Hiram. Jakin pronounced, uh, sorry, Yakin uh, means he will establish and Boaz signifies this, in him is strength. Taken together, the names were a reminder that God will establish the temple and worship of him, his name, and strength. The pillars Yechim and Boaz were destroyed, along with the rest of the temple by the Chaldeans, in Jeremiah 52, 17. But the names, meanings, uh, lives on in the spiritual kingdom of God. Now, when we're reading Ezekiel chapter 14 you'll remember possibly if, if a lot of people don't know this passage, but it's very significant. Once you do start reading it, I might do another episode with somebody just breaking down that whole chapter. Um, but they were talking about how Ezekiel's having a vision of an abominational ceremony occurring in the temple and their backs are facing to, to the West and facing to the East. It's a sun God ceremony. So the whole fact that they're building this temple is, they had a lot of already ulterior motives in the designing of it. Um, The fact that they rebuilt it, I think they started to infuse with a lot of, um, when they came back from Babylon, they kept a lot of the Babylonian Talmud doctrines in with their stuff. And they began to infuse it into Judaism, which is modern day Masonry in in the West, but it is um, Talmud or Judaism in the East is the best way to define that. Um, Yakin, means he will establish and Boaz signifies uh, in him and his strength taken together. The names were a reminder that God would establish the temple and worship of his name and strength. The pillars of Yachin and um, Boaz were destroyed along with the rest of the temple. Um, You can find this on the esoteric meaning of the twin pillars of Boaz and Yachin. Uh, Is that rim? Remasons.org. Now you'll note... That We happen to have that in America. I'm not sure what you guys got in Australia as an equivalent, but I'm pretty sure if you looked hard enough, you'd probably see some stuff. But we have the twin pillars on our social security, (laughs) which is ironic because when you look up Hermes, he's thought to be the originator of coinage. So when we get this currency, banks, the language of commerce, that all connects to Nimrod's son, Tammuz. And the fact that they're connecting it to social security gives me even a higher indication He's going to have something to do with the mark of the beast because you can't buy or sell without it. That's a commerce perspective. And if you've been watching this stuff, I've been seeing a lot of stuff with Trump happening to fit the bill and having a variation of his name, both first and last. It was kind of scary, but I was like, oh, my gosh. Even the fact with Hurom Abiff, um, I updated that slide with, since the talk with Heidi and uh, Tannin means fir tree. So Biff Tannen, based off of Back to the Future, when we were talking about how he had a character named after him, hear him a bit, I was like, oh my, and it's named after an Ashkenazi Jew, Jewish family. I was like, this is just crazy. Um, But here we go. With prominent symbols from Masonic teachings are often on display, such as the well-known square and compasses. In many lodges, particularly in the United States, it is common to see the twin pillars of Yaqim and Boaz affixed in the lodge room. They have become prominent symbols in the craft, appearing not only in the lodge, but also in the Masonic art and buildings. As you can see with um, this picture that's depicting it on the bottom, the all-seeing eye, again, it's another nod towards um, Nimrod's son, Tammuz. You want to look it up. Um, It's kind of harder to find this one, but I did do a slide Tammuz, his his symbol is the eyes. It is supposed to uh, connote to visions, dreams, and the fulfillment of aspirations, kind of, is what it basically means.
1: So this presentation, it's linking back very much to one point where the Jews were set free, for lack of a better word, from babylon mm-hmm. and they returned and a lot of edomite converts joined them in which a lot of that kabbalah type of babylonian yes. type of talmudic magic since um belief kind of came into it merged in but, but does it go further back there's a lot of Yahwism i've been researching that tends to indicate that elements of this kind of infiltration occurred a lot earlier would you say there's any oh, evidence yeah. for that as well
0: a-, a thousand percent um even the fact that the gulf and calf That connects to Nimrod um, and and his mother. That's basically a merger of a god. Um, I think I added that in the one I just did with Heidi. I always update my slides when I do another presentation. It's better. It can bring up another reference. But with um, the golden calf, that was a symbol of Aspis bull in Egypt. When you look up that, that means strength, fertility. Uh, It's a symbolism of a leader. So the fact that Moses is going up to the top of a mountain trying to get God to be their leader, their champion of their people, he comes down, they're over here worshipping Nimrod's family again (laughs) via the golden calf symbolism. And it's just like, are you guys serious right now? And a depiction frequently with Isis or um, Hathor, which means a state of Horus, um, you'll always see that there's a child nursing at the bosom. And this is where c- the Catholics get it. This is where Semiramis and Tammuz, they have that original statue. Um, you'll always see it, that he's sucking at the teat of mom, which I always kind of laugh because for me, it's like, because Adonis was known as a bit of a pretty boy. But where where is he getting his influence from? Oh, he's from mama, you know? Because he can't think for himself. He's he's basically on a leash. But yet yes, he's powerful. Yes, he translated some stuff. But he's also the product of incest. In the occult, he's, he's loved for his knowledge and whatnot and what he was able to bring about. Um, that's why I really don't like Billy Carson. Because Billy Carson is presenting an idea that what Hermes or Thoth, wherever you want to call him, he was great because he found all this technology and he worked with the space gods, the Anunnaki. And he's actually prepping people for when Project Bluebeam hits that, oh, this is okay, this is acceptable. They're just going to bring us back to an ancient time that was perfect, where they brought about all this stuff for us. You know, it's... It's very subtle, but it has to be put in just right so that the public starts to buy it and accept this, oh, we're just becoming all one humanity together, brotherly love, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm seeing a a big, it's almost like the UFO type of idea or push start to lose some strength. So they really brought out the whole disclosure thing and the disclosure we were getting just didn't add up. So then I'm seeing a lot of people trying to tie it back to biblical the, um, theology and his, and historical events, it's like we're going through the motions of ancient aliens from the 2000s all over again. Um, Cliff High is massive for it. I love his research from the historical point, but he connects dots that aren't there. He seems to think yep. that all of this is Elohim worship, and to a degree he's correct because a lot of pe- people in these types of areas of Kabbalah and paganism, they are worshipping something that's not God, but he makes it out yes. to all be aliens.
0: I would say just fallen watchers to make it straight, easy. Yeah, <laughs> of, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 for sure, I think just like with John D, he was very misguided in a lot of points. But there's like certain points where he's like, dude, if you just knew your Bible, <laughs> you wouldn't be doing some of the stuff they're telling you to do. It just would have been like, okay, that's a red flag. I don't think God would be asking me to do that. Have a nice day, you know. Session ended, but no, he kept pushing, and you know, didn't really need to go to that extent. But um, something of significance that is very common um, to begin with, these pillars were either brass or bronze. Um, In either case, they came from a combination of sun metal, that being um, copper, and moon metal being of tin or zinc. The mixture of sun and moon expressed harmony and balance. Passing through these pillars represents a chance for a new beginning. The fact that these pillars were hollow made at um, an opportune vehicle to store one's baggage of the past, as the lodge does not re- uh, regard or remember the faults of a non-missiate excuse me, prior to joining the lodge. In addition, the pillars may be seen representing two out of three pillars of Tree of Life, the Jewish mystical symbol for the creation of the universe. The names of the pillars and the Tree of Life were often seen as strength and wisdom, with the third bi- pillar being harmony. Uh, place between them. So I'm not going to go too much into the rest of that. I just kind of wanted to now direct our attention. Now that they've mentioned the tree of life. This is a aha moment. What is this thing that they're referring to? Well, in the Kabbalah doctrine. It is the holy serpent that resides within the tree of life. This serpent is the guide for each Jew. And collectively leads Jews. The Jewish nation from the abyss upward into godhood. So that's not just me making this up. This is literally... In doctrines. Um, inside the circles are the names of the Kabbalistic deities. Jews often pray to and have mental holy sex uh, with these Judaic gods and goddesses. Now, in the book by Jason Louv, that is L-O-U-V, and he was talking about John D. Empire of Angels. Um, I don't think I put that in slides here. Yes, um, I didn't. Um, anyways, he was talking about in their belief the serpent race, whatever they believe, they believe that that because they're having these mental sex, um, ceremonies and whatnot, that if they wait for this serpent from the tree of life, he can only ascend for two things. One, the world is all peaceful that he ascends, um, basically to a, uh, utopia version of life. Everything's good. Or the world is in such chaos that he has to ascend to restore order. Don't know about you, but that sounds very antichristic to me. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they, again. <laughs> yes, their Messiah. But again, what I've connected a lot. Um, when you were just asking the question that did this spur on a little bit earlier before Babylon, yes. Um in Egypt, for instance, when they're doing the snake staff battle. Very significant that that is the first trick out of the bag that God pulled because Nimrod's uh, son, Tammuz, his symbols are the Euroboros, so the figure eight tipped on its side, the meta logo, if you want to um, look at that, or the when you put the film together, the thing on top of the uh, old film where they were filming like this, again, vision is the reason why they had it shaped like they did, um, or the snake consuming itself, ever, and again, snake of the abyss, Um, that Uroboros, uh, the Caduceus staff, the medical symbol, uh, as you can see here in the middle, the chakra, the DNA, the Christmas tree, um, one thing after the other, after the other, a snake, uh, on the staff in general. So when they're, he's like, all right, you're going to throw down your staff and turn it into a snake. Remember the Caduceus staff has two snakes on each end. One snake represents Nimrod. The other snake represents mommy. What do the wings on the top represent? The product of this union? Tammuz. Why is there a star on top of a Christmas tree? Because that's the product of their union. Tammuz. Why is there an eye on top of the pyramid? Because that's the product of the union. Tammuz. So when you start understanding why do they always have that at the pinnacle, it's because that's their Messiah. That's their God. So when he's going over here and saying, Hey, boom, I just turned my staff into a snake, oh we can do that too. But his snake devoured theirs. So when you're starting to get a migration of these magicians and wizards, they're going up into Europe. What are they known as by the time they reach Ireland? The snakes of Ireland. This is what St. Patty's known for, is driving the snakes out of Ireland, a.k.a. the druids. So there's already a connotation throughout history that this is a, a symbol affiliated with soothsayers, basically. And who would be the first of that? The alchemy knowledge of soothsaying, or magicians. Yeah, so again, uh, uh,
1: so many go ahead. So many Christians and, and people in general don't realize that Judaism, as we know it today, was wasn't originally a, a monotheistic religion. It was polytheistic in Yahwism that had yep. multiple gods, of which Baal was on that pantheon with them. So I've had always had this controversial idea that many aspects of what you would consider the Old Testament, the Torah it could be an entity LARPing as Yahweh or mm-hmm. as God and manipulating the chosen people to achieve an end. And I think you kind of see that in the way that the, they were so easily influenced by or infiltrated by some of these, what you consider darker entities and, and darker ideas.
0: Yes. Well, even even the name of Baal, it means Lord. When you look up Moloch, it means Star. Since they're basically the same equivalent, you get Star-Lord. Baal Hermon, Baal Hermon. Why do we ring a bell every hour upon the hour? In his memory of his name, why is it in a church steep? Again, with Sun God Worship, when you start putting this stuff together, but Mount Hermon is when it all got started. And like you said, it began to influence the society like, well, it's practically the same thing. I mean, I kind of want to marry that guy over there or his daughter over there. So why would I not want to be part a little bit of their culture? It's not that far away from our guy, you know. And like you said, it started compromising our character. And that's just what we do with modern uh, society is like, oh, you know, it's okay to have a little bit of this feminism aspect brought into the, you know, no. We're supposed to have separate and standards and stuff like that. As we keep going, I'll be elaborating. It's big beef of mine. Um, I'll defend femininity, but feminism. No, because that's a spirit of rebellion quite, quite deeply. Um, Or God knows my heart. I hate that excuse (laughs) when they're trying to justify something. It's like, it says it right here in the Bible. Well, I need more proof. Well, lucky for you. I just did a whole nother slide presentation where at the end of it, you're going to be, I wish I didn't see this because now you're under the charge of to him that knows it is a sin. More power to you. Anyways, um, the Twin Pillars also showed up at the Kabbalistic Temple of Solomon. In the Kabbalah, these pillars um, explained all the mysteries of antagonism, whether neutral, political, or religious. They elucidate the procreative uh, struggle between men and women. According to laws of nature, the women must resist the man, and he must entice or overcome her. Such is the significance of the two pillars. They are distinct and separate, contrary to appearance. Uh, Separately, their power is one joined, and they would destroy one another. And for precisely the same reason, the spiritual power is weakened when it attempts to usurp the temporal, and temporal becomes victim, and it encroaches on the spiritual. Again, like you were just saying, it's eventually what you what, what your heart and mind, eventually what you start thinking is going to start compromising your heart, a.k.a. your spirit, and how you're supposed to worship God. Um, he, human equilibrium requires two feet. The world gravitates by two forces, and the generations needed two sexes. When the two pillars find equilibrium, um, it is said to generate a third pillar, one in the middle, which is esoterically, and that means hidden, represents man or mankind. It will also signify the union of uh, shashumana and the Kundalini. This is sacred marriage will uh, create and radiate throughout the human body, filling it with divine light. It is then humanity will um, become the third column of wisdom. And what is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom where they're saying, oh, you can ascend to a God consciousness. You don't need God. You can become like a God. So the line never really went away. It just has variations. So we're having a sovereign being. Well, maybe it's the Kundalini. Maybe it's Masonry. Why don't we just all come together and realize God or Jesus' son, he was just another Muhammad. He was just another Buddha. We can all come together and just join. And that's honestly what they're doing is having so many religions, so many confusions in, seeping into our church. that at a certain point, it's going to be like, well, it's really not all that different. Ah, yes. But that's why real Christians, ones who are going into podcasts and causing problems in the church these days, they're the ones that are not being too well liked because they're starting to ask, well, I'm examining the faith and I'm finding this. What do you think linguistically about this? No, no, no. We're not going to talk about that. We have the pre-tribulation, avoid the tribulation rapture ticket. We don't have to worry about all that. God's going to pull us out before it gets really bad. But what are we supposed to do with our spirit, spiritual walk in the meantime? Nobody knows who a real Christian is these days. Half the time, they see a cute little verse in a profile, but your actions—they're kind of lacking. You—you—you <laughs> you, you don't see that in everyday culture. And that was a thing back in the New Testament—is that they were noticeable. It was scaring people because it was like almost like a philosophy movement. People—they're not doing what everybody else does. We're losing parishioners in the temple. We're not making money now when we're making our idols. What's going on here? Hey, you, Paul, dude, you're one of the speaker. Okay, you come over here and talk to us on Mars Hill, because we kind of want to figure out what your philosophy is all about. That's what it was. It was so radical that it changed a whole entire empire, and it kind of scared them a little bit with going, okay, there's something different with this. At a certain point, they saw, okay, we can't lick this movement. We're going to become it, and that's where we get Constantine.
1: Yeah, well, you look at what the Roman Empire was at that time. It controlled the known world. And yes. You've got something that as a grassroots movement, which throughout history, no matter what it is, a grassroots movement tends to overwhelm and, and gain momentum and become bigger than what um, the, the establishment of the time could ever dream of it being. And yes. you saw the church at that time, the church was people of the faith congregating together. It wasn't a physical institution. It didn't have people appointed to be re- the representative of God within a building. It was mm-hmm. just the people going about spreading the word and sharing the faith. And that's what was the biggest challenge to the status quo at that time.
0: Because they understood what it was nowadays. Where are they? Well, they're in church on Sundays. We don't know them about during the week. That's the scary part.
1: <laughs> I, I I did my tithing at church on Sunday. So yes. I'm fine. I'm a good Christian. A I'm so part. saved right now.
0: Yeah. Besides, it's not my fault if you didn't come to church and become saved, you sinner. <laughs> You're supposed to mentor people, you silly. Anyways uh babylonians believed in the tree of truth synonymous with the forbidden tree of knowledge mentioned in genesis two seventeen. the tree of lice was also inspired to guard again eastern gate of the heavens the cosmic tree was where the babylonians primal mother goddess lived connecting the world to irish kigel probably butchering that the mortal realm of enlil the heavenly realm of an the river uh, the tree was placed against played a role as well as the waters here were the home of Ea, the god of life. Since these symbols are exactly counter to God's notions of truth, life, and death in the heavens, this is why he forbids his people from including them in his worship, supposedly honoring him. Um, interesting that they mention unleal here. This is, again, from Drawn to Him. If you guys want to follow him on Instagram, good buddy of mine. He's actually drew some stuff for me before. Um Enlil, this is what <sighs> Nimrod kind of affiliated himself. He had, In Enlil allegedly was probably a former giant, and he had a son named Ninurta, N-I-N-U-R-T-A, and he's affiliated with Saturn. So when you see the Saturn logo, whether it's AT&T or uh, wherever you go, AAA, I'm not sure what you got for equivalents in Australia, but I bet you a $1,000 bucks you are going to find something. If it has a ring around a globe or a ball, that's affiliated with Saturn. That is Nimrodism.
1: And the, the uh, Enlil, Enlil was, is, uh, if people would know, is uh, if you know Sumerian history and if you, if you read like The Twelfth Planet or any of those books by Zachariah Sitchin, Enki, and Enlil will uh, ring yes. and bells for you on that.
0: Yep. Um, I can't see the top. Oh, there it is. The Kabbalistic teachings of the pillars represent uh, Siparoth and the Tree of Life symbolize mercy and severity. When interpreted uh, Kabbalistically, the name of the two pillars mean in strength shall the house be established and the splendor of the mental and spiritual illumination of the high priest stood between the pillars as a mute point, a mute witness to the perfect virtue of equilibrium. Uh, The hypothetical point equidistant from all extremes. Thus he was personified in the divine nature of man, the mysterious uh, Pythagorean monad and the presence of Duad. The column on the right, Yakin was the foundation of the Chakma and the outpouring wisdom of God. The three globes uh, suspended from it above all masculine potencies. The column on the left, Boaz has three globes ascended from it, which have feminine receptive potencies. It is acknowledged that the three pillars are ultimately united with Melkuzh and uh, all the powers of superior worlds and manifested. The teachings of the Tree of Life are very heady subject, and understand them one must study intensely. Now, I'm merely just laying a foundation of what they all believe. Um, some of it, I don't need to go through every single slide, but I'm just giving a basic rundown. Um, another fact that may have slipped your notice unless the day is spent dealing in the occult is that the high priestess of the tarot, the papisa, or the popes, wearing her uh, trigurnum or papal tierra, sits between the pillars of Boaz and Yaquim, as with most occult symbols and twin pillars conceal multiple layers of meaning, some intended for the profane, um, others divulged in the higher degrees of Freemasonry. Um, interesting to note is that What's her name? Uh, When you look on the tarot card, you'll note that she looks just like the Virgin Mary a lot of times. When you look at the great magician or the magician on tarot cards, you'll note he is usually wearing a white tunic and he's wearing a red um, cloth or a red sash over either on each side or over the chest. I'm like, well, there we get our Christ aspect. The magician can be known as Thoth and or Hermes, which therefore it is Tammuz. Another indication towards this is he has the Euriboros logo usually tilted on his head in uh, the pentagram resting on a table, which is a nod towards mommy. Um, again, Osiris, Baal, Marduk, Bel, Mithras, Dionysus, Apollo, Hercules. This is the God of death and AKA regeneration, AKA Nimrod and his son Tammuz. Um, basically what like you were saying they had an influence on the society where there's already this death cult ritual going on what's the significance of christ in all of this or the messiah figure says this guy already allegedly was reincarnated and it's nimrod back nimrod therefore is more has to be more powerful than god because he figured it out because his son came back and figured and translated it all for us and this is where we start seeing where the doppelganger religion and Christianity start becoming a bit of a clash. And you're going to see where throughout our culture, there's a lot of similarities betwixt the two. Um, Over here, both in the Roman Catholicism and Islam, revere the moon and sun god. Remember when they were talking about the pillars? One represents sun, other represents moon. One is masculine, the father, a.k.a. Nimrod. The other is the moon goddess, or um, Semiramis, the mother of this, or his his mom slash wife. Yes, he did his own mother, folks. It's a very disgusting thing. That is the reason why they have um, those little monoliths is actually a middle finger to God of saying, guess what? I did my own mom. I didn't do what you wanted me to do as a man with what you gave me of procreation. I basically said, you know what? I don't like you, and I'm going to create something that's even going to be better than you. I'm going to create my own God, my own little Messiah. Basically what's going on from what i piece pieced together. Uh, anyways, many images of the Catholic Virgin Mary show her standing over a crescent moon. And there are many sun god worship images throughout the Catholic Church, a.k.a. the Halos, if you listen to that episode with Josh Monday, um, including St. Peter's Belisca at the Vatican. The Eucharist wafer represents the sun god, which is placed on a crescent moon in the monstrance, representing their sexual union and the rebirth of their son, Tammuz. And you'll notice that every time the sun comes the center of the crescent moon on top of a temple, that's usually in Islam. Dr. Walter Vieth did an episode, you can find it on YouTube, did um, Catholicism create Islam. It's a very interesting little study, and he does bring some very interesting receipts to the table. And when after, At the end of it, you're like, well, okay. You needed to create a bad guy. So how are we going to justify crusades if we don't have anybody to go over there? We can't go to war with God's holy people. So uh, what are we going to do? Well, let's create another thing that's going to be at enmity with them, you know, and thus we get Islam. So it was actually a very genius design. Um, Okay, this is what we already covered with the sun and moon. I'm just bringing that up for reference. Again, um, IHS, you'll notice that it's a sun logo. Apollo. Horus Helios, where we get our heliocentric theorem, sorry, theory from um talking about a globe earth. Again, that goes back to Nimrod's son, Tammuz. Ezekiel 8:14, it was talking about the women weeping for Tammuz. This was the origin of Lent, where they put the little gray cross on top of somebody's head, and they eat pork for 40 days. Why? Well, because Tammuz, um Basically went on a hunting trip and got killed by a wild boar at the age of 40. So you have meat for 40 days. And then again, you put a T on top of their head in memory of Tammuz. That is why the women are weeping for Tammuz. Women weeping at the cross, women weeping for Tammuz.
1: I just love how all all of this information that's been juxtaposed into the modern faith has... Really been weaponized by the new age movement to try and say that oh look Christianity has just borrowed all these ideas from an older belief system yes. and that's the one we yes. should all go to,
0: but yes. they
1: neglect the idea that maybe it's been done for a reason, and yes, and you try to challenge this idea of accepted um, Christianity and you point these things out and you become a very unpopular person within within the faith.
0: Yes, and that's. That's where I have to veer a lot of stuff with Dr. Heiser when he was saying that Christmas trees are fine. or those, He's studying linguistics. I'm studying the anthropology. I'm studying what the occult believes. I love history. Um, again, etymology is another big thing. Metaphors. And as you can see here, they're already laid the foundation of saying one's feminine, one's masculine. So we start seeing a little bit of a buildup. Um, remember when I was showing the temple earlier, how mm-hmm. it was laid out? It was all straight. And then they have the Holy of Holies do you notice anything it's all straight in the front then you have the bigger room in the back the Mm -hmm. holy of holy new life there's symbolism with this in the occult there's symbolism with this is oh we can have our new life if you know we just mix a little of this in there mix a little of that in there we don't really need god
1: well brandon they make a joke of this openly on the um, jack black movie year one where he goes to the temple and the princess says um, would you like to go to the holiest of holies? And Jack Black's like, Yeah, I'd love to visit your holiest of holies. They make a joke in reference to this and put it straight out into the, the public sphere without people realizing.
0: And that doesn't spray. You literally go on IMD, IMDB or whatever, IMDBD. It admits that Black, uh, Jack Black is a Satanist. He admits it. And the fact that he's admitting that and then he says a phrase like that in a movie, guys, granted, I could be wrong. But they keep, again, they keep telling you that I'm right or that this kind of stuff is worth looking into because obviously it means something to them that they can mock and tease about it. And the thing is, we just keep, oh, laughing. Ha, ha, ha. And that's the point what I'm trying to explain to people. As a magician, with esoteric and exoteric is like, hey, look, okay, you see you see where the, okay, all right, where, where's the ball? Where's the ball hiding? Where's the ball hiding? You saw it? You saw it with your own eyes, right? Okay, here we go. What you don't see is a little magician trick of how he's scooping that little ball up and hiding it in his hand. Then you flip over something you don't know where it went. Because it's all about the illusion. You saw it. But I told you it was there. I showed you it was there. But at the same time, I pulled a trick so that I could get it by you even though you had knowledge of it. That is one thing that's very important in the occult. Whether it's bamboozling people at a rally, whether it's politics, whether it's a news host, is. Show them just what you want them to think. Enough where you start to gain their trust and then you start denying anything else somebody else says, well, I know how he did that trick. Yeah, well, it was entertaining and I don't want to hear what you have to say. That's what we're coming down to in society. That's cognitive dissonance and that's spiritual neglect, Well, in and, all honesty.
1: And not to detract too much away from your presentation at no. the moment, but I see that aspect heavily in the Q movement. The Q movement mm. on its basis is a, it's a religious story. It's a tale of faith. You have... Trump as being some kind of messiah bringing about change. You have the idea of yep. JFK Jr. being the God that has risen again because he, he died, but he's coming back. You've got the yep. idea of these forces of good overcoming evil. They've applied a, a political psyop movement to religious faith of Christianity. So people yep. buy it so much easier and they don't realize they're doing it.
0: That's exactly what I'm covering in cosmic peach. It's <laughs> how Q is probably going to connect to the, uh, the Noahide laws and Trump probably being the guy bringing it in. And I'm just saying, when you start piecing it together with his name and etymology, it's just like, I can see it. I can see him coming out and saying, they tried to assassinate me because they knew this time I'd clean the swamp. And you're reading all these lists from Q saying, this one's been arrested. This one's been detained. This one's been executed. This one's under house arrest. I'm like, yeah. And then you're just eventually going to branch it out and saying, well, this one's against us. So let's take them out. Before you know it, it comes after Christians. And Christ- the Christians that have been lukewarm, they're just going to be like, I didn't know we were going to be around for this. Exactly, but, And that's
1: the, that's the weaponization of the of the the Anon people. I'm starting to see posts now yes. that say, if you don't believe Trump, you're either a child abuser, a Satanist, or you can never be saved. So they're already setting right. the pavement of, right. if you didn't agree with it, you're right. the next head on the chopping block.
0: Yep. And I'm, I'm seeing that. And that's why I'm telling people, I'm more scared of Republicans cuz liberals are clueless. Republicans, they're arrogant and that arrogance is becoming a hive mind of superiority like you're wrong and I'm going to do what he says because he's trying to fix it. Okay. Um have fun with your god. I I will go to heaven. You 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 know you live okay, you, you can have this world. I don't want it. Um but yeah, you see the comparisons here, water, earth, fire, sky, male, um female, king, queen. Again, you might notice a little something here with the Mitra hat connecting to the pagan god Dagon. Dagon. When they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, what happened? It tipped over. You see it now with Catholicism. Jew-ish. Ish ish means to be similar to. You see it with the modern uh, Jewishry. And you see it in the Catholic Church. So it's already gradually being mixed together. It's like we're already halfway there. Again, this is just to give a little bit of context, but when they're talking about the Star of David, folks, look up these verses. Amos five twenty-six. 26. We have yeah, borne the tabernacle of Moloch, and Sheon in your images the star of your God, which you made to yourselves. And then that's Old Testament, but now we have Acts 7.43 by Stephen the Martyr. Yeah, you took on the tabernacle of Moloch, and the star of your God, Remphan. Figures which he made to worship them and will carry you beyond Babylon. So we're already seeing where he's talking about. You guys brought this with you and it's a parasite. It's a leech and it's hurting you guys. This is what Christ was against when he was calling you guys out. And that's made them really mad. Why? Because he's exposing the darkness. So when you're talking about the star of Remphan, you are talking about Nimrod's sigil. Uh, modern-day Rothschilds. You're wondering, why is that on the Israeli flag? Well, they claim in biographies to be descendants of Nimrod. They have the all-seeing eye on top of the Israeli Supreme Court. They also are the ones that created our IRS. So when you start putting this stuff together, you start seeing, why is that on our money? Who is their Messiah figure? And both those stripes, according to Yasser Arafat from 1988 September Playboy issue magazine interview, he said, "Do you know what the star rep- the, the Israeli flag represents? The star represents the New World Order capital, and the uh, one river, which is the Euphrates, which we've already been talking about with Heidi. What that's going to be, you know, how they get there, and the other one represents the Nile. So the New World Order capital is going to be starting right there. Why? Bethlehem. That's why. But they're taking those verses and saying we could do this against Muslims. When it was like, no, they were going up against." Nephilim, there's a reason God picked them. Again, encrypted, I go into a little bit more detail. Um, Over here on the right, you have a bunch of stuff that are talking from rabbis, stating that uh, Masonry and the Jewish Sanhedrin um, and modern Judaism is connected very heavily with Freemasonry, or the Kabbalah. Over here, you have 1936, the influence of the Jewish Sanhedrin is is today more powerful than um, ever in Freemasonry. You have Rabbi Isaac Wise in 1866. Masonry is a Jewish institution whose history, degrees, charges, passwords, and explanations are Jewish from beginning to end. The Encyclopedia of Freemasonry, 1906, Philadelphia. Each lodge is and must be a symbol of the Jewish temple, each master in the chair, and representative of the Jewish king, and every Mason, the personification of the Jewish workmen. And lastly, the Jewish Tribune, 1927. Masonry is based on Judaism. Eliminate the teachings of Judaism from the Masonic ritual and what is left. So again, we're calling out the synagogue of Satan. This is what we're referring to. We're not talking about what you think is God's chosen people. If anything, I would have a personal beef with that phrasing. I don't think it's accurate. Um, not until they come back from Je- uh, Jeremiah three eight. I'll be touching on that shortly. That verse kind of gives me a little bit of an indication why Christ could offer a marriage to Christians and the New Testament, because you had old covenant, old marriage, then you have New Testament, New Test, uh, New Covenant, New marriage my interpretation by the time i'm done you're going to be like oh whoa it's all there it's laid out for us and i'm not I'm, I'm going to be pulling from the bible you guys can pick it up and pick take it apart yourself but it makes a lot of sense to me
1: What's well, the idea um, that the again, evangelists kind of stick heavily within the realm of the old testament but they yes they completely skim over the idea that christ died for our sins for all of humanity not a single chosen people it kind of rewrites the the story and and puts it out in a new a new way that's why Yes. It's new. It's the it's the, the updated version of the word, and that's the way things cool. are meant to be. It's not going back to... The, it's like watching a, a series of films, and through the, the story of the, the, the tale being told, you only go to book one or to film one yes. and think that's yep. the entire story.
0: Or they try to create a really bastardized offshoot new trilogy. <laughs> 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 Anyways, um, uh, <laughs> yes that's a little bit of a dig um but also you have here this is john d's personal sketch again folks if it was christian why was an occultist so big into the star of david the pentagram and the old kind of looks like an eye If you look at the bottom right over there mm-hmm. why because that represents the unholy trinity from babel and again it's known as the star of a meth um think i have it saved later on i got this from a book about symbolism and stuff like that highly recommend picking up some of this stuff folks um when i do find it i will be talking about it at some point some in the in later podcasts but finding these books will start help clarifying so when you have that cynic saying well it's just from an old religion it's based that's not really christ you do know he's just from this god or you can start explaining it to people and being like well I understand where you're coming from, but I also now understand something I didn't for a long time. I now know who Ashtaroth and Baal were. I now know why Babel was so significant. I understand that 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 kingdom never went away. It's still here in our everyday society. Now, let me explain to you what I just learned. That's what it is. It's evolving. That's what Christianity is, is understanding I was wrong in one way. Now, let me try to explain how I've come to my conclusion and how to become better. You know, how to strive towards God. Repentance, that's what it's about. Um, you're never going to be perfect, but once you understand the truth, you strive and you seek for it. Don't merge with the world. Ashtaroth, a.k.a. Ashtrate, the goddess of the Zidianites, the Sidians, sorry, and possibly the Hittites, corresponding to Baal, the great Tyrian god. Remember we mentioned that uh, Hiram, Abiff was located on the island of Tyre. I think there's a verse where it says, woe unto Tyre and Sidon, and what happened to them. Again, folks, there's a reason why these things are being mentioned. You start looking into what the other side believed, as opposed to just Christianity and ancient Israelites. You start going, oh, so when you're making references to this stuff, there's an anthropology uh, apology aspect to consider. Understanding what they believed, what they worshipped, and how they did their ceremonies. And you start comparing it along gods, you're like... Oh, okay. So these people were sacrificing their kids in order to achieve immortality in the next life. Yeah. So why is Abraham offering his son Isaac? God was like, you know what? They're all doing it. I'm curious. Would you be willing to go to that extent for me as creator God? I don't want you to actually do it. I'm just curious if you'd be willing to go to that extent. Very symbolic, like a little test of saying, okay, you know, this is what they're doing. And it's breaking my heart. I want to know if you'd actually do that for me again. There's a reason why he has this going on and why he provided a lamb is saying, I'm going to eventually do this. I just kind of want to see, did I pick the right candidate? Are you crazy enough to be that loyal to me as they are to follow their pagan god, a man? Um, again, Ishtar, Ishtar um, Esther's name is a variation of this. Her nickname was Queen of the Heaven. Catholics, if you want to look into it, Queen of the Heaven is also the nickname moniker for Virgin Mary. It's also a nickname moniker for the Virgin Isis. Kind of finding a lot of red flags already with that. So if you want to confirm for yourself, I r- highly recommend it. Um, astrology, astroth. You start seeing a lot of connotations with etymology. Again, a star religion um, as we get a little bit further. Aster in the Greek, astrum in Latin. And also has thence passed into modern European languages signifying a star or luminary in heaven. So again, affiliated with star worship. Why is there a pentagram on Baphomet's forehead? Pineal gland region. You notice where that's located? Why did I put Isaiah 14, 14? Because that's the verse where Satan says, I will ascend and become like the, the God of the Most High. So if he's saying that, you really think he can't Deceive Eve, and then deceive all of her children thereafter, and saying you could become like a god. You know, just accept the teachings that I'm giving you. You know, you could become immortal. You don't need him. I already know the secrets of the universe. I saw how he did it, but he can't do that, folks. But that's why he's creating these avatars, Satan or Baphomet, as people are throwing that together in the same. If anything, that's Satan's avatar. It's his representative, my ambassador, just like God sent his son. He had one says, you know what? All I need them to do is pledge to me. And then I'll make them big. I'll make them famous. They'll have all the kingdoms of the world. So the temptation that was being given, why is it called the stars of Hollywood? That comes from the Druids. And as I just explained, the Druids come from Egypt. And the snake, the staff, Hollywood, stars of Hollywood. Do you notice it looks just like the pentagram, bottom here, right? You start seeing where it's evolving. You see what America, pretty sure you'd find something similar to into it in Australia, but it's shaped like a pentagram. Again, uh, pentagram, 5G, penta, means 5G. Why is it just G? Again, esoteric, exoteric. It's what the plebs know. It's what we actually know. So if you already got the, all they have to do is activate it. People are either going to die or they're going to use them to be vessels for their new kids. As I was explaining in um, Cryptid, they have Generation Z zombie right now we're in gen alpha i'm going to call it a hunch but i think the last generation is going to be gen omega (laughs) alpha and omega you guys will be like uh, gods i think that's what they're heading towards very subtle um anyways what is astroff backstory and again with here they call it a he but again this is a very androgynous cult so i guess he her him, whatever they want to identify as. As we already know in our modern culture, we're seeing a lot of that. But according to Judaic lore, he was a high-ranking angel. Either one of the seraphim or the prince of thrones prior to his fall. Ashtaroth is the Grand Duke, a treasurer of hell. And commands 40 legions of demons. Ashtaroth also features as an archdemon associated with the Qlifoth, uh, according to the later Kabbalistic texts. So again, Kabbalah. Affiliating it again with an Ashtoth. So probably not a good thing if we know anything about our Bibles, just you know, knowing basics of, oh, they used to have groves under Ashtroth and all this stuff, and we don't really know, oh, well, who was Ashtroth? Where is Baal? They just started worshipping these pagan gods. But we don't know anything about basic context of culture. Where did these things come from? What did it mean to the surrounding pagan cultures? Here we go. Uh, this is a statue of Moloch. Notice anything on his chest?
1: Oh, saying I.
0: Mm-hmm. That's mm, very a, good.
1: A sun as well, illuminated yes. by it, as usual.
0: And again, Horus, Apollo, he's known as the sun god. The only exception is Ra, but again, eventually they said Ra and Horus merged. Ra would be Nimrod when he was alive, and then all equivalents thereafter would have been his son. But again, Baal, ancient translation means Lord, Moloch means star, together, Star Lord. Guardians of the galaxy. Yes, they're throwing it in your face. Um, again, this is just for context. You want to look it up. First Kings was 11, 5 through 13 when Solomon be, fell and began to worship the God of the or Sidians and Moloch and the Ammonites. So, again, these were cultures that were possibly Nephilim bumping and creating offspring and stuff like that. And they were going over here saying, well, we can worship their gods too. It's like, no, there's a reason why I wanted you to wipe them all out because that was the sin in genesis 6 that they kept doing is falling after the ones that taught them apostasy knowledge of good and evil that's the kind of stuff god doesn't want us to delve into so when you're noticing i'm mispronouncing a bunch of stuff why because i don't really care i'm just showing you a basic rough draft of this is what they believe don't get into it but i'm just also showing this is this is behind the curtain you see that cool now next time somebody starts giving you that's lesser knowledge. Um, When they start giving you these excuses, oh, it's just this one, it's just that one, you can be like, well, actually, I can actually point to my Bible and I understand where you're coming from, but let me explain where that character came from. So you now have an argument and a basis to make. Again, as I was stating, the Israeli uh, Supreme Court, the all-seeing eye on top, our IRS, um, you'll note that it is a falcon and or eagle. Bird of prey is basically what Horus is affiliated with. Again, Horace being Nimrod's son. You see the Masonic um, in Israel, Compass. And you see the IRS over in America, where we have a little... It's all there. Uh, over here, you see a movie, um, Israeli Supreme Court. That's their 50th anniversary. You see the movie cover for Lucifer Rising. Again, the <laughs> Apollo, Sorry, a but
1: Sorry, Brennan, I'm just looking at the IRS symbol and the fact that it's got the set of scales and in Egyptian mythology, when you die and go to the underworld, your karmic balance is weighed up and you can pay your way into the afterlife with gold. And this is the yes. IRS that puts you in debt for life that you have to pay off. Quite ironic. Yes.
0: Well, I mean, it's even like Catholicism, where they're over here saying, oh, you want to save yourself from purgatory, you know, just in case you didn't make it, just give us a little money. It's like, just ten grand, pray. there you go. Yeah, Pizza. pay to pray, pray to pay, <laughs> we'll get them out from here. It's like, what are you talking about? Um, I think that's what I loved about Whitest Kids You Know. They had the one with Trevor when he was singing Make Money for the Pope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so dark but i'm like i hate to say it guys he's making a lot of sense here and i understand the cynicism of people because they equate catholicism with christianity and when they're seeing all these people literally you're turning into a temple of, you know this is not my father's house it's a den of thieves you kind of see where he's going with this it's like yeah this is not about monetary stuff it's about spiritual so when they're saying render unto Caesar things are Caesar says so basically do what you have to do under their laws because you're in this world at this time. But don't forget your your heavenly father where your spiritual priorities are supposed to be. And they're over here going, spiritual priorities. Oof, He just called us out on something. He's like, yeah, <laughs> go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, again, you zoom in. This is the all-seeing eye and the Masonic compass again. Let's see, where are we now? Uh, King James, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And they beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish. We're all familiar with this verse, but this is where I like calling out people, because when you start saying, God, this is my beef with the triune. And the reason I'm saying that, because after I've studied the occult, I'm kind of having a hard time with that because you're telling me that God kind of sounds like a ventriloquist or he's, um, you know, schizophrenic. Because one minute he's saying, this is my beloved son. He's specifying, son, and who I am well pleased. I put, I put my son down here to represent something very big for you people. I'm willing to put my son on this. I'm willing to make this contract by putting my, uh, you know, I just have to speak it. So when we get the second Adam, all I have to do is speak it. I, it's just like it was the beginning of creation and it's done if we're saying that oh this is my beloved son whom will I will please and the next minute he's praying father but for you know is it? no 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 there's a reason for that and when you start understanding it's like I was telling my buddy this and he began crying I says because when I, when God talks to me I pray then I'll be like you know lamenting and then he says all right listen to this Bible story now how do you think I felt about that? I go pretty loud. Yeah, yeah. And he's giving me metaphors. <laughs> he, he talks through me. But he's like, do you hear yourself right now? I'm like, yeah. Case in point. So when he's putting his son on the cross, and these angels are looking down from heaven, they're over here saying, well, he's getting whipped. You want us to go down now? No. No. They're putting a nail through him. You want us to go down now? No. I, I can't do that. Dad, are you listening to me? I I, wa- I don't want to do this. Like I'm having some second thoughts here. I can't do it. I made a commitment about this. I'm I'm a man. I'm a God of my word. I said I was going to do this. I have to let this happen to you. And the angels are looking at him like, are you crazy right now? We we could save him. And it even says, you know, you could send down like 10,000 legions and it, it would be done. It'd be fixed instantaneously. So the fact when you look at it that way is like, oh, wow, this is a father and son and he can't do anything for his son because I'm a man of my word. I made this commitment. So. Very symbolic stuff. And I'm, I'm I'm going to paint this where you guys are going to appreciate this perspective. If you've ever been kind of skeptical or if you are a diehard triune, after hearing this, you're going to be probably having a change of heart. It says it's very powerful to our spiritual warfare. And again, we're having Nicodemus talking to Jesus by night. Um, Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born. Of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now again, he's looking at him saying, Well, do I have to crawl back into my mother's womb? Like what does this mean? I do not understand what you are saying here. Well, I'm going to be explaining that to you, because again, we've already seen in the occult that they have the male and female remnants of regeneration or the you know man can ascend to become higher in consciousness and wisdom but what is christ talking about here well according to the jewish uh, tradition the temple of solomon also known as the first temple was built by king solomon in the circa of 990 931 bce long ago on the spot where god created adam the first man very significant very significant but the building was destroyed 400 years later so again what does he say he says the phrase i could I'm, you know the fa- my father's going to tear down this temple and in 3 days it will be rebuilt well of course he wasn't talking about the physical temple we all know that if you know the basic concepts of christianity what was he talking about himself he's talking about himself folks and where did, and he's talking about i'm the new temple the building you're over here looking at you're admiring you're putting all your emphasis on it's me I'm the new one. I'm the new Adam. And it's built on the spot where allegedly he created Adam. So when you put that into perspective, you're just like, whoa, that's pretty dope. Whether true or not, I has, it has some merit for consideration. And again, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life giving spirit. The spirit, spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual, the first man was out of dust of the earth, the second, Man is of heaven, as with the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as the heavenly man are, um, so also are those are of heaven. And other passages that allude to this idea, First Corinthians fifteen twenty one to twenty two. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead came also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. It's very interesting that he's starting to bring this connotation of. You're going to be reborn. You're going to be reborn in the resurrection. And as I keep going. Hopefully we're getting closer to this point. And it's going to, it's going to probably blow your mind. If you believe in biblical cosmology. This is literally going to go. Because it did it for me when I was researching this. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, so the message. But the Jews were upset. They asked what credentials can you give to present to justify this. Jesus answered. Tear down this temple, and in three days, I will build it um, back together. They were indignant. Um, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to rebuild it in three days? But Jesus was talking about his body as the temple. Later, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he said this. Uh, they then took two, put two and two together and believed both was written in Scripture and what Jesus had said. Um the Lord told Nicodemus unequivocally, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Only the spirit of the living God can take dry bones, um, dead in trespasses and rebellion against God, and make them spiritually alive. So if we're already dead to our sins, we're destined to tell or following the, the spirits of our fathers, you know, the, all the pagan deities or the fallen watchers, whatever you want to call it. But Christ can redeem that because now this brings you back into spiritual focus and priority to emulate Christ is to come back into the father's fold is to be born again. You're coming, you're understanding that this is going to require work as opposed to just saying it. All you people are good. All of you are my people. Now this is going to require. Yes, it's not, it's not solely by works, but you have to strive. If you, if you're a servant of mine and you have talents, you have to strive to start using them to prove that you are loyal to me. I had a former council that didn't. They came down and had affairs with daughters of men. They broke a realm. There is a rule between these realms that you're not allowed to do that. But they did. And God's saying, you know what? I want to have a test phase. If people are truly loyal to me. They're going to choose my son. And if they're going to choose my son, they're going to start showing it through their actions.
1: Well, the um, the, the idea of Jesus destroying the temple and rebuilding it it's almost goes back to what you would consider in other scriptural areas of don't covet um false idols and idol worship the temple in itself becomes idol worship because they're making this idol bigger than what it's supposed to be if it's supposed to be just a place where you gather to worship why would you worry about knocking it down if it's not the issue yes
0: yes and that's exactly what I'm getting to in the modern age because I had, did a post just yesterday and some people were just reading slides as per usual and not the inscription. Where I never denied, or two or more gathered, never denied that verse. What I was calling out is that people are defending their adjectives, they're defending their denomination, but they're not looking for the Holy Spirit. They're worshiping the building. Buildings are luxuries, not a necessity. That's why I have a problem with the 501c churches, is that they're focused on the tax thing, they're focused on the building projects, they're focused on how many people we can get in here. And God's like, I really don't care about that. What's your one-on-one status with mentoring people? How's that looking for you? And a lot of people, again, what are they doing? They're just checkbox Christians. Little cubicle Christianity. I came in, sat in my pew, I got my Bible. Okay, now I'll go back home. Maybe I'll read the Bible when I'm in you know, you it's, know, it's different for per person, but you start to seeing you don't really care about me because you're not putting in any dedication to come to understand me better. And when people are starting to pre- present stuff like this, they're over going, no, no, that's not what the pastor said. That's not what I learned in school. So no, no, that's all. That's all. You know, that's out there. Stay away from that. Just just wait for the rapture. We're good. Okay. Okay. That I, I think God's going to think that, too. He's going to say, you know, I wanted, there was There was a time after that pandemic or during that pandemic. I wanted some of you guys to come out of them and start speaking. Start bringing the word. And you didn't listen. You didn't listen to this person. You said they were crazy. You said uh, that. All I wanted you to do was listen. Start delving in. Start buying a book they recommended, or you know, listen to a podcast. And you didn't want to do it. You didn't have time. You didn't have time for me. Why? You know, God speaks through us. That's what the body's all about. If you're listening for the Holy Spirit, you're seeking Him. You'll start hearing Him. That's how it works. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Now, again, we're getting to that. Gotta shut up because I get ahead of myself. <laughs> um, John one fourteen tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us um tent of meeting that's what the greek translation again tent i found it very ironic because tabernacle was originally in a tent like format in other words when jesus became the god man he tabernacled among us very significant folks and again where was the temple built where he originally created adam and he's talking about and getting it rebuilt um and of course, Jesus spoke about the temple of his body. And Paul taught that because we are united in the risen Messiah, we are the temple of the living God. And again, here's some verses for context. Greater is he that is within you than he that is of the world. 1 John four four. What, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have are of God? And you are not of your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Wow, that's pretty cool. So I don't need to go to the temple anymore? And then what, does, what does he say to the woman at the well? It could be at this mountain. It could be anywhere. It, it doesn't worry about that because I'm him. I'm the fulfillment of this prophecy. It doesn't matter about a location because greater is he that is within you. Wow. So anywhere I go, I can bring the, Yes. So what does it mean when the veil was ripped in two? And Jesus' body... And the curtain ripped in two, that brings us into the holy presence of God. And again, this is mentioned in Hebrews 10, 19 through 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, or veil, that is through his flesh. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. I have more slides as we keep going, but this is very significant. He's, he's starting something here. This is the veil ceremony. He's unveiling something to us. A lot of Christians don't seem to get this, but I I wrote it like a little devotional uh, between the gardens. It's one of my favorites because God really laid it on my heart. this, This is symbolism. And over here, look at the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus walked with his disciples. Judas left and returned, betraying Christ with a hug and a kiss. The names of the gardens, Eden, means paradise, Gethsemane, oil press. That's what it translates to. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he he gives parables, one on the servants not using their talents, another about the sleeping bridesmaids. In Gethsemane, Christ scolds the disciples for not staying vigilant, but not just physically, but rather spiritually. Um, Like the parable of the sleeping bridesmaids, they fell asleep before the bridegroom's return. They had their lamps, again, God's word, but they lacked oil, Holy Spirit discernment of understanding what was all going on. They fell asleep because they grew comfortable with routine similarly to the disciples of Gethsemane, totally caught unaware that they were about to ascend the precipice of supernatural warfare. How fitting that Christ chose Gethsemane, oil press, sleeping disciples, bridesmaids, to illustrate that ministry for his disciples was going to be requiring work and a spiritual vigilance. Like it says in 1 Peter 5.8, For your adversary the devil walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You fall asleep, you start you know going straying from the herd, you're going to fall. That's what the devil's looking for. And again, he went a little further through the verse of context to just, to just just to think on it, folks. It's a really powerful thing, is he's in a garden again. He used to walk with Adam. He got betrayed by his most favored creation. And what happens? Judas comes up to him and gives him a kiss and betrays him in a garden. Knowing that he's fulfilling what went on with Adam, that he's doing the same thing in another garden, very close by to where he first created him. So Again, some powerful metaphors just to consider when you're reading those stuff now. But again, like I said, how I came to the conclusion that thy word is a lamp unto my feet. We get this by the psalmist so we can confirm that that's our light. That's our beacon. That's how we walk through this life. Then scripture, what does oil represent? symbolizes wealth, abundance, health, energy, and a vital ingredient for a good life. It can likewise represent spiritual abundance, only possible through what God gives us. As Isaiah 55, 1-7 through seven shows, this oil is bought through listening to God, delighting in what he gives, and seeking to be like him. So again, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't understand what it is to seek God. You don't understand. You're reading passages and you're missing over very powerful and potent things Astroth Baal okay cool whatever what does that metaphorically mean for us that he beat this pe- beat these people and this occult he proved them frauds it's an absolutely beautiful story that he actually conquered all of this now this is something that God gave me when I was researching this for you man and it, it was it was beautiful um symbolism of Noah's Ark and the dove. Dove symbolizes deliverance or peace, calm, serenity. And what does he send when he's being baptized? He sends a dove from heaven. Remember, if you got firmament, you got below. What does that mean? He just came down and broke a barrier. That's what a dove means, deliverer. Whoa. And like Noah's time, again, there was a war against the Nephilim and people worshiping these things, their sins, were worshiping these fallen angels and their wisdom and teachings. And God delivered one man that said you know what by faith you know what and again I'm going to be skipping over that I'm just bringing that up. so when you get to Hebrews you're like whoa whoa that's powerful yes because by their actions they proved that they love God and they were not going to be conforming to what the rest of the world was doing significant even when I was digging around that Jonah's name meant dove <laughs> go deliver the people of of Nineveh and he's over going nah nah you know what I'd rather be eaten by a fish <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about that, folks. It's, it's so powerful. God's like, that's not your purpose, Jonah. Where was I sending you? It's not for you to decide whether you want to go or not go. I chose you to be my instrument, my tool to utilize, to speak on my behalf, and you rebelled against me. Very powerful, folks. So when you think about that, are you doing the same thing as Jonah? Are you walking away from your purpose and the talents that the Creator God gave you? And you're supposed to seek through the Holy Spirit how you're supposed to implement them? Whether you're an artist, whether you're a cook, whether you're, you know, a writer, a podcast, whatever you, are you utilizing what I've given you? Whatever talents I gave you as that servant, are you trying to use them to the best of your ability to reach some people for me? That's all I'm asking. I know some people got some heavy work schedules. I get it. But what are you trying to do a little bit? Are you dragging one person with you, trying to bring them to me through your character and your actions? A lot of people aren't getting that. So, again, um... Can a mother enter his mother's womb a second time in order to be born again? These two verses help us understand the meaning of the phrase born of water and of the spirit. So again, if there's a firmament above and there's water below or was water below, I think now it's hollowed out for Hades. What does that mean, folks? This dove came from a different realm. He probably came through water to come down to where is Christ coming? Christ is breaking that water. Why? So he can have access to go into heaven. So the, down below, they're going, okay, whatever. He's doing a baptism ceremony. He finally dies. Yeah! Then he's ascending. He's going back up. Wait, no, 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 no. You, We, we got rid of you. What were you doing? I'm letting them have your position. Remember when I, in Genesis 6, 4, you guys, the sons of God came down, had affairs with daughters of men? Well, I'm going to have Paul write this a little bit later. Behold what manner of the love of the Father that we should be called the sons of God. They're gonna replace you. You guys are getting court martialed. All of your gifts and talents that you used to have, they're gonna be given to the ones that were loyal to me, Christians, ones that are seeking me in the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna give them access to heaven. I'm gonna break that barrier. That's what that baptism was all about. No! only really where you go And you think about that. Spiritually, what did that just mean for them? Wait. So don't everybody that follows you from here on out they're going to have a chance to be indwelled with him? Are you serious? Yeah. You didn't catch it, but I got gotcha. you. Very powerful, folks. When you start looking at it from that way, why are we at war against principalities and, you know, demons from high places, whatever, I, I, I'm i getting excited. But you know what I'm talking about. When you start looking at it that way, why are we at spiritual warfare? Why do they hate Christians? Why did they harass us? Because you're replacing them. I would be pretty mad at us, too. Yeah. You're, you just got access to a heavenly realm that they got kicked out of. They broke that realm to come down and dis- destroy. What are Christians supposed to do? They're supposed to strive the best they can to say, no, look to him. That's the best that I can tell you. And how do you do that? You're going through accepting, repenting. You're then going through baptism. And now you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ. It's not about a church. I didn't die so you be- go to a church building. I died so you become the church, my bride. And again... You can see here all the verses. It's talking about cosmology. We're not going down that path. I'm just trying to present a little bit something to consider. Think about it, folks. Is that possibly that's what it meant when the dove broke through? Again, the vault of heaven. That's what permanent originally translates in Hebrew. A vault. Vault means solid, like a, state, like a safe. Now we have access to the other side. All these other cultures believed in that. And again, Genesis. let talking talk about separating the waters from above and below. Very powerful stuff to start looking into. Uh, Yeah, and again, go ahead, laugh at me. I get it. You're entitled to that because this is all you've ever known. That's all they've ever taught you. The Earth is his footstool, and it's funny that the people who control the globe, they all have flat Earth as their logo. Also divided up into 33 grids. 33 connects to Mount Hermon. 33rd Parallel. 33 degree mason, the alchemy knowledge of ascending. We don't need God. So if you don't believe me, I'd start asking those logos. Go after them. Don't go after me. And again, Sheol, the abyss, waters above, waters below. If they're hollowed out, now you can put fire down there for hell. You want to join them so badly? Well, guess what? I drained up a place just for them. They're the bottom of the tub, and you can go join them after judgment. You really don't want to accept my son in this gift that I'm offering you. And again, Kabbalah, Sheol, you see the great serpent of the abyss. Uh, Here here it is. Um, Take, for example, the celebrated rabbi throughout the Jewish religions world, Gaon of Vilna. It was uh, he who taught us the Kabbalah's doctrine inside Judaism, vaunted tree of life. There resides a great and sacred serpent whose masculine name is Leviathan and whose feminine name is Melkut. In the sacred serpent, the Kabbalah teaches that in the coming messianic age shall rise from the abyss to conquer the Gentiles, that you, being you and me, and exalt God's chosen people, the Jews. This Leviathan, the holy piercing serpent, is expected Messiah prophesied to appear, the one who will supernaturally possess the bodies of the world's Jews and lead them to global domination and glory. This strange doctrine, accepted by the majority of today's Orthodox rabbis, also makes the bold claim that the Jews are a holy race and of wise and virtuous serpent beings. Collectively, world Jewry is claimed to be the very incarnation on earth of the holy S- serpent. So we have Holy Spirit, Holy Serpent. Mm -hmm. Which one do you want to choose? Um, Could this be what the true Messiah, the Lord of the universe, Jesus Christ, meant when he confronted the wicked Pharisaic Jews equivalent to today's Orthodox Jewry by flatly declaring ye serpents, ye generations of vipers. Don't have to believe me, but that's taken from the book Bloody Zion by Edward Hendry Amazon Band. Absolutely great book. Again, don't have to believe me. But again, that's a Masonic symbol with the uh, compass down below. What is he pointing to? A mountain. Note pre-flood, the center of the world, Mount Hermon. Again, with the Hail Satan, what he's doing with his other hand. That's with Anton LaVey on the Joe Pine Show, demonstrating for the studio audience. This is the curse of Satan. Paramount logos. Again, 22 angels uh, ascending. That's what it's supposed to represent. Again, I have Mount Hermon. I'll probably be updating that slide. And again, as I stated, it's divided into 33... 33- parallel you start seeing a lot of correlation here that i'm not just making this stuff up the occult's messiah is very important to them that's the un's tallest uh base in the world in the egyptian you know, this one we already no, did Cyrus is found, but... um but again freemasonry and freemasonry new recruits are given the masonic baptism before the ritual begins the candidate must undress put on clothing provided uh, usually torn pajamas and one slipper, since clothes are linked to a person's um, identity, the initiation is uh, beginning programmed to surrender their will. Again, surrendering to the Father, surrendering to the will of man. Uh, this initiate initiate also stripped of all personal items as to exalt masonry. Uh, the next candidate is blindfolded with a noose placed around their neck, only after knocking and asking for the light of Freemasonry. Is the blindfold removed later? Uh, Dagger is placed on the left breast with blood. Um, oats are taken. These actions are used to capture the spirit, soul, and body of the new mason. Um, let's see. Ba-ba-ba-ba. We're wrapping up. Um. So, well, but stop that. We'll skip. Anyways, um, what does God talk about? As death for the Christian, it's sleep. We're not really dead. But again, what do they believe? You're dead. You can ascend. What is Christ teaching? The dead in Christ shall rise again. The ones who are spirit, not, not spiritually asleep as in their everyday walk, but I'm saying they're resting in the spirit. They already know where they're going. Their their treasures are in heaven. Um, Paul describes death as sleep several times through all these verses. Um, yeah, every Christian then is a new man, no longer living the old life of sin, slavish obedience to human nature. He now has a higher purpose and a higher calling uh, to put on the new man. This is to be born again, because you're now transforming your life. You're now becoming what Christ has called you to be.
1: Whereas and again, for... when I was talking sorry. sorry. Sorry, Brandon. Whereas for the occult and what you tend to see with elites, people who are dabbling in these types of fields, there's definitely a fear of death and a fear of what comes yes. next. They know that there's judgment beyond the physical world. So what do they do in the physical world? They live life to the fullest extent. They have all the earthly things they can possibly have to make themselves feel full where that void of God is. And they look to technology, to these sacred sciences, these things that they're learning through these dark arts to extend their life, to keep their time in this physical plane longer. So they don't have to face that final judgment. Yes.
0: Or somehow are diluted to the point where it's like, Maybe he doesn't exist, because like you know, Albert Pike yes. keeps saying, like, you know, he's actually the problem. You can you can actually outdo him. You know? You just do this, do that, and you can outdo him. And it's very scary, but that's actually what some of them are deluded enough to thinking. And I almost think the star walk of Hollywood has a little bit of a connotation to I just joined the belt of Orion. I have ascended <laughs> Godhood. Uh <laughs> ah, careful, you people. This is uh star rem fan stuff. And again, just read Hebrews eleven with the new new insight of what all of the sacrifices again what people were doing to say i i believe in god's promise i well, don't know what the plan is but i'm going to try my best to do whatever he's instructed me to do in this phase and time so think about hebrews 11 in that context
1: well what are we doing with the stars of hollywood with these these singers these artists these musicians With their followers right they have a followership yes. they're they're proxy yes. gods they're somewhat they're almost like the demigods of the ancient past, but without the huge abilities. Their abilities are their singing voice, their acting prowess. We're still deifying them in a way that we would have ancient gods.
0: Well, I think it was um, one of Heiser's books that in ancient Jewish cultures, the angels were known as star walkers. Now we have stars of Hollywood. So when you start putting the two together, you're just like, oh, so Luke Skywalker, I think his original was Star Killer or whatever, Star, Starwalker. You're just like, oh, I see where you're talking about now. And it's all to get us kind of prepped into that or even the Eternals from Marvel. I didn't even bother watching that because I knew it was a psyop thing of just, you know, <laughs> prepping us to accept the Sumerian gods thing. Um, but again, folks, after reading Hebrews 11 and understanding what the Holy Spirit is for prophecy never came by the will of man, but the holy men of God spoke as they were say, uh, moved by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because of their ethnicity. It wasn't because of some kind of nationality thing or whatever. It wasn't because they were a priest. It was because they were seeking God. And usually they say, thus saith the Lord. That's usually how most of their phrases begin. Thus saith the Lord. And then they give their, their little reprimand of whatever the scenario is, or they, they give the, you know, the commands of God. That's what we are. And again, I'm not not sure about you, but I've experienced a good portion of this stuff on here. It actually actually made me cry a little bit. I said, the marks of a true prophet are this. They're not liked or loved by everyone. They're seasons of intense uh, warfare, betrayed by everyone, have gone through horrific rejection, target of gossip and slander, misunderstood, outcasts, socially awkward, likes being isolated, have dealt with major depression due to always picking up, feelings and things in the atmosphere target of witches and witchcraft and again personally speaking i don't know about you but it it feels weird in this day and age especially after covid i felt like i was sitting with zombies it's like you got can i be real with you can i have a conversation but no i don't really care about that but yeah yeah that was crazy that was a crazy year (laughs) all this stuff is going on it's so much spiritual warfare and they're just going through the motions they're not They're not trying to understand because they have so much faith more so in the rapture than actually fulfilling what Christ commanded us to do. I had one lady tell me, if you don't believe in the rapture, you go to hell. (laughs) I hope for it, but (laughs) I don't deny Christ, but you're saying I go to hell if I don't believe in a rapture.
1: It's almost as if the the very... uh base level, skim read the Bible, they've just gone to the blurb, so to speak, and gone, yep. we're all saved at the end. It's all good. I don't have to worry about yes. all the stuff in the middle. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know the yeah. ending's good, so why worry about the stuff that happens in between?
0: Exactly. And that's what's, you're spiritually asleep, people. That's what, that's what he's talking about with the sower. The hardest people to reach are actually the ones in churches these days because they love the churches. They love the buildings. That's what Pharisees and Sadducees were. They're keeping people so dumbed down, and every time Christ made a cameo in a temple, like 98% of the time, he caused a ruckus. Why? Because he challenged their preconceived notions on a passage or interpretation of Scripture. And he was calling them out, saying, this is wrong, and this is a verse to challenge you on that. And they're saying, why is he he doing anything? Yeah. But again, folks, you who love the Father's Son are Israel, in Galatians 3.29. If you know the Father's Son, you are of Abraham's seed, sacred seed. What is that? The fulfillment of the promise. Spiritual seed. To be born again. Again, I know this is a concept we talk about all the time, but you understanding some metaphors that I just dropped now after all this? You are seeing what it is to be born again? And heirs according to the promise. And then First John 2.22. He is the Antichrist that denied the Father and the Son too. Remember, he's going to sit on the right side of his father. So again, folks, you're getting, but again, people are saying, well, you know, all those people over in the Middle East that are hurting Israel says they deserve to get bombed into a parking lot. Well, potential heirs according to the promise. So doesn't it say right after, right before, sorry, Galatians 3.29 and 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Gentile and neither slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What? Yeah. we're supposed to reach all of them, not say, except Jesus, here's a bomb. Imagine now getting to heaven and saying, well, God, did we not drop bombs in your name? You think that's going to sound good to him? No, 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 no. Don't say God wills it. Don't make this a modern crusade. You're not justified in this. Those passages that they're saying for, you know, promised land, sacred land, that was against Nephilim, not against Muslims. So how dare you try to justify that with God's name? That's scary. I would, I'm very scared hearing that from people. But again, a lot of people don't know what the Talmud is. And what does the Talmud, the chief authority of Judaism, say about Jesus Christ? If you really want to buy this, start learning what the Jews believe in their Talmud. A lot of the higher-up ones, not everyone that's lower, like Catholics. A lot of the higher-up priests know what's going on. A lot of the lower ones are just billions of beautiful people that are just being deceived. But this is what the Talmud says, Balaam a.k.a. donkey, Jesus fornicated with a jackass, that's the Sanhedrin 105, and uh, Jewish priest raised Balaam, a.k.a. Jesus, from the dead and punished him with boiling hot semen. So in Mary, she, who was also the descendant of princes and governors, the Virgin Mary, played the harlot with a carpenter, and then Jesus was lured into a pit of dung up to his armpits, Then a hard cloth was placed within a soft one, wound with his neck, and two ends pulled in opposite directions until he was dead. So strangulation. They really don't like Christ. They don't like his followers. So why are you supporting them as God's chosen people when you are the new chosen people? That's what Christianity is all about. You now have access to the Holy of Holies? Folks, get it through your head. You are a temple. Get off your butt and start preaching. Anyways... Hebrews 10, 12-13. Uh, um, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down on the right um, hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made his footstool for his feet, because Jesus reigns along with God, the Father Almighty, who created and rules over the world. Uh, Matthew 11, 27. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So how do you how do you know what God's thinking? Because you have access now with that Holy Spirit. That's the gift. That's the newness of life. That's the product of Him sending His Son. He united a spiritual realm and man's realm, but He didn't do it violently. He didn't do it on Mount Hermon. He says, "You know what? They're going to play that game. I'm going to ask somebody. Mary, are you willing to carry?" this promise that I said that was going to happen because I want them to have access to this realm. And that's only going to be possible through my son. Christ doesn't need to get married. Why? Because we are marrying him, the identity of becoming into God's house and family, being adopted, being inducted. Very powerful metaphor. Um, King James Bible, Acts 755, but he being full of the Holy ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Two distinct different individuals right before Stephen the martyr was executed. Um, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you start to accept me, you can have access to God. That's John 14, 6. We're almost done. Immaculate. It's an adjective. Again, etymology. Um, means to be clean, without blemish, impurity. Um, kind of speeding up because i know we're getting a little bit close to the punchline here i might might be five or ten minutes over if that's okay that's okay we're yeah. almost done okay we're almost done um i'll kind of blitz through these um let's see king uh but he they're called holy for you' all be holy in all manner of conversation in uh first peter 1 15 through 17 because it's written be ye holy for i am holy if ye call um on the father who, without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning in fear. Uh, First Thessalonians, for God hath not called us to be in purity, but in holiness. Leviticus, again, is talking about the purity of the um, congregation of the people to say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Again, this is what Peter later on is quoting. You're seeing a marriage connotation. Those those other verses, but again, I'm trying to speed up here. Um, So don't call it a holy land. Don't call it sacred, for where the presence of God is, that is holy. If the Holy Spirit is truly within you, then you have the power to reach somebody and witness to them. God will grant again. What does He say? I'll send the Holy Spirit to comfort you, and also those times when you don't know what to say, He will give you those words to say. I've had many a moment where I, I can't go into detail right now, but God told me what to say at that time and the person. Was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore, or something to that effect. Why? I don't even remember thinking of that stuff. It literally was just like, okay, I'm going to utilize this mouth because he needs to hear this right now. And he didn't want to listen. So that's up. That's on them. I tried to, I tried to reach them and convict their heart again. Where was the Ark of the Covenant? It was in the Holy of Holies. You want to know why we probably really can't find it right now, folks? Because when that veil was ripped in two, God says I can now indwell all of them. I don't need to be in this little box. Pretty powerful stuff. And again, no, you not. Creators, he is within you. And again, Hebrews 10, 19-20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since you have confidence to enter the most holy place by the le- blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. The veils being ripped in two. And again, trying to explain the genitals' significance. Male. What's the significance of it? Points upward, pointing to the creator God, an acknowledgement that your seed comes from him. You were created by him. You were made in his image. Your pleasures come from him. Your instrument used to procreate is a nod towards the creator himself. What does Nimrod do? That's a sign of defiance. The phrase mother comes from Nimrod doing his own mother. (laughs) Think about it, folks. What is that? It's basically saying, I don't like the design that you created. I'm going to perverse it. And that's why we get monoliths all over the place. Washington, D.C. Yeah, this is why Masons have a little bit of that beef with them, because I can become my own god. I can become a a greater being without the creator God. A female, circular, enclosed, a channel, a womb. It equates to uh, security, nurturing, a nest. Eggs equal to the world, life, population, humanity. Deserves to be protected, provided for, and valued as a woman carries the creator's mechanisms for reproduction and continuing giving new life. Joined together, it equals unity, cohesiveness, commitment. Coming into the world, he penetrated the proverbial egg with his son. Gave us new life. The world being the womb. God so loved. You start seeing a little bit of that. Oh, So again. The genitals even have a significance. If it means something to the masons. Why they wear the apron over the genital. Mm -hmm. It's not towards the perverseness. That was there. The Masonic compass. That's referring to doggy style. Start thinking about that folks. Because God has a significance for this. But he doesn't want us to think like that. He wants us to appreciate. What he did for us, that everything has a purpose. The seed has purpose. The Holy Spirit, immaculate conceived, has purpose. And again, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water and word, water, again, firmament, and word became flesh, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, a.k.a. Ecclesia, not having a spot, a wrinkle, or any such thing that it should uh, be holy or without blemish. And I, again, something to note, Jeremiah 3.8, a lot of people skip over this part. And I saw for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery. I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not and went and played the harlot also. And then Jeremiah 3.12, a couple verses later, Go proclaim this message towards the north. Return, faithless Israel declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Why? Because I'm going to send my son. He's going to fix this. There'll be a new marriage, a new contract. And again, I have up here in the upper right, <laughs> we were talking a little bit about the golden calf, Christmas tree. Christmas tree is a nod towards regeneration and Tammuz, how we justify it. Oh, God knows my heart. Again, I say feminism because feminism is impulsive. It relies on defense and emotions connected to things as opposed to spiritual. Am I doing this because it's spiritually right? Feminism is a spirit of rebellion and submission and purpose, just like the Christians. You're not submitting to God and his son. It's to die to self daily, people. Paul writes this, and we're not adding that into our lives. We keep incorporating what the secular world is teaching and preaching. Um, I wind up around here. We're almost done. Like I think two more slides at that. And again, significance of a veil. Once the veil is lifted, aka ripped in two, it means she is no longer under the ownership of her father and brothers. Anyone else swooning uh, for this? Uh, sorry, sorry, that's irrelevant. Um, some of the lifting of the veil as symbolically consummating the marriage. Father, into thy hand I commit thy spirit. Rip. Right then and there, folks. Why? Because a marriage was just conceived. And again, resembling another thin membrane, the hymen, that will be physically penetrated. Again, the veil represents the separation between the bride and the divine. And the lifting of the veil symbolizes the bride's spiritual union with her husband. Remember? Bride of Christ. Now, I'm just going to give this thing as a synopsis, and we'll close around here. Um, If you're not familiar with communion, folks, start looking at it from this perspective. There was a cup ceremony, ancient Israel, where dad said, okay, I found a girl. I think you're a good prospect. Uh, Sorry, a man. I think you're a good prospect for my daughter. You're of good standing. You're financially able to provide for her. So what am I going to do? I'm going to give you this cup. If you accept my terms, the dowry, all this stuff, accept my daughter. You drink of this cup and she'll be your bride. Now that was here where he would drink half of it and then they would give the rest to the girl or the daughter. And if she refused, it was honorable. Be like, okay, we'll go back to the drawing board. We'll find a new suitor. That's the end of it. That's it. But if she drank of this cup, says, I accept of the choice that my father has presented to me to become this man's wife, his bride. So what does the young man do? Well, he goes on to add on to his father's house to induct in the new bride. It was again in John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have not told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So when you're doing communion, or Father, if you could let this cup pass from me, the communion, you're accepting of the Father's Son to be inducted as the Bride of Christ. And because of that, you get the gift, the Holy Spirit, the name, that's part of you now. The family name, it's part of you. The kingdom of heaven, it's part of you. You now have a light from heaven. You're not supposed to hide under a bushel. You now have the Father's light to indwell you. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. And during the Erucian period, the groom was to prepare a place for his bride. While the bride focused on her personal preparations. The wedding garments, the lamps, the oil. Although the bride knew to expect her groom. um, After about a year, she didn't know exactly the day or hour. He could come earlier if the father of the groom who gave final approval for him to return to collect his bride. For that reason, the bride kept her oil lamps ready at all times just in case the groom came home in the night sounding the shofar, the ram's horn, uh, to lead the bridal procession to the home he had prepared for her. In the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, 1-13, Yeshua, Jesus, likened the kingdom of heaven to a special period of a rusin. when the groom comes for his bride. At midnight, a cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Um, Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. Again, folks, ending with this, um, you want to look up Leviticus, the ceremony of going into the Holy of Holies. What did it require? How did the high priest prepare before entering the Holy of Holies? When entering the Holy of Holies, the high priest did not wear the colorful golden garments, but only White linen, like a white bridal gown. As the high priest entered this most sacred room, he would first burn incense before the ark, filling the holy room with smoke. Holy Spirit, smoke. Husbands, love your wives as the Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Start to understand this, folks, because then we get in revelation, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the land has come and his father has made herself ready. And his wife has made herself ready. Revelation 19.7. So, if you didn't really understand what the Holy Spirit is, you didn't understand what your purpose is, you didn't understand about church buildings and all this stuff, I'm trying to give you a reboot from metaphoric symbolism of what all this stuff symbolizes. So, yeah, like, I had a few other things, but I know you said you're pressed for time, so we'll end it here. I think that's more than sufficient.
1: Unreal, mate, that was a... Uh... A lot to unpack and I'm actually gonna to have to go back and listen to this myself just to, to really yeah. conceptualize some of this. It's it's such an interesting thing that we've we've applied what we think the written word is and how it applies to us today. Um yes. just before we close up, I've had this thought myself because I started off as a, a bit of a historian, then a conspiracy theorist, and then found Christ. Are you of the mind that there's aspects of what we consider the written Bible today that are deliberately planted there and not the true true scriptures used for controlling purposes or to deviate us from the path?
0: I did a post on that um, with King James. I, I think you might have seen that post that I just did recently. But I think what they were trying to do is delude the concept of what god's real name is or you know calling him yahweh instead we call him god and again um lord when the lords of london or you, you know your servitude lord certain and serf i think what they were trying to do is because okay now that the masses are able to speak english and they you know we're no longer doing this in latin let's give them the names of nimrod and the occult because we're you know we're underground but let's try to get them to by this concept even when they say amen they'll be worshipping an egyptian god or something like that i think they were trying to be funny everything else i think is pretty sound um barely except taking out enoch big mistake um a couple other historical books i think is gives way to a lot of context um that the vatican and the smithsonian try to hide but i think what they were trying to do was delude the name the purpose and the potency by giving us fake names and instead, they didn't realize that if you have God within you, um, and you actually believe in the son, it doesn't matter what Gentile name you try to equate or identify him with. He wants to know that you believe the story, too. Because Christ rose from the dead, we literally get that classic scene from the Chronicles of Narnia. as like, don't recite the dark magic to me, which I was there when it was written. So when he comes back and he looks at her on the battlefield, it's like, yeah, guess what? I just usurped everything that you stood for. All those people you turned to stone, they're now new by me. So basically that, that's how you look at it in a spiritual sense is I redeemed them regardless of whatever spell you cast upon them. That's my personal take. Um, I think a lot we get mixed up. Um, that's why I like Unseen Realm by Dr. Heiser, and I like Frank Viola as The Untold Story of the New Testament. Because after reading both those books, when you go back to the Bible, you get a very ground basis of, there's a lot of context I need to reconsider before delving into this, because this is heavy stuff, bro. It's heavy stuff.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so it, it doesn't help that the language has changed and the meaning and the interpretation has changed so much since even the yeah. King James Bible. It's Mm -hmm. the equivalent of trying to read, you know, every high school kids went through and they've read read Shakespeare. Shakespeare can be hard to understand. Well, it's King James Bible and even those further back. It becomes nearly impossible to understand the true meaning of it if you don't have the conceptual understanding, the context around it to define meaning. Otherwise, you're kind of shooting in the dark. It's scattergunner approaching it. That's why people tend to take certain things quite literally when there's it's not so much the the, the way the written word has been done, it's the context around it, the sentences yes. that come before it, the paragraph work. It's actually quite the amount of literary work you have to put into understanding the Bible. I don't think yes. people quite understand. You need almost a an entire course on doing it yourself to understand. And, and in some ways I think that's what the church is trying to justify itself as is that you have a representative there to do all the hard work for you and you're fine. Yes. I've, yep. done a, I've done all. I've done. Yeah. I've sat down. I listened to his interpretation. He's the guy. He's the dude with the collar up there. He's yep. the. He's the man. He's. He's done it for me. When really, it's up to all of us to try and understand and have that relationship with Christ ourselves.
0: If you, if everybody's striving, it's kind of like stone soup. Everybody contributes to the stone soup. Somebody <laughs> brings a vegetable. Somebody brings a carrot. Everybody has a per- certain part in the body of Christ. And if everybody's contributing, you'll start understanding. But we throw it all on the, the, the priest, the pastor. And we say, you do it because, you know, you're the holy man and everybody shows him so much reverence. And it's like, it's not what it's about because every one of us now has the access of being a priest. Um, if if you want to do another segment at some point, I explain how like Babel, significance of Babel's, all the languages were confounded, confused. What happens when the Holy Spirit first indwells the disciples? Everybody's hearing the language, the, the, the new good news in their own native tongue. That's a Holy Spirit thing, folks. That's like, you know what? I just did another Uno reverse card. This isn't done. I'm going to keep on doing this and doing this and doing this because that is the power that you have. A lot of modern Christians, like you just said, they throw the buck on the religious dude, the religious institution, the theology school. That's their business. All I have to do is accept Christ, get my rapture ticket. I'm all good. There's nothing left after that. That is. That is the spiritual cancer that is in the church is people thinking, you know what? He already did all the heavy lifting, Christ. All I have to do is accept his son and I'm done. So that's kind of a very shallow, shallowness of uh, spiritual warfare that I, I currently see um, going on. Could
1: not agree anymore. Um, we're gonna have to get you on for Christian Conspiracy Coalition at some point to get your input on some of the conversations. I think you get a real kick out of that. Um for the listeners who haven't heard this is the first time hearing you, where can they find your work?
0: Um you can find me on Patreon, uh Mana Daily Podcast. I think it's all one word. If not, try it around a couple variations. Um, I'm opening up a bit shoot for some of the stuff that's probably going to get canceled and censored on Instagram, which is, uh, chronology, lower underscore one Oh one going to be opening up an Instagram page, man, a daily, uh, podcast again, um, trying to open up so many things. So they have a hard time quenching me, uh, doing the best they can, man. Honestly, I'm, I, I would, I would like to get it where like 300 people could throw me five bucks a month so I could just stay afloat until they crash the grid or, Whatever, because this takes a lot of time to compile this stuff, cross reference, get visuals. Um, But yeah, that's where you guys can find me. Um, I'm not probably going to be doing YouTube. Rumble as well, uh, of Daily Podcast. You can find me on that.
1: Fantastic. Thank you for coming on, Brandon. Um, Excellent show. Can't wait to have more conversations in the future.
0: Likewise. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Thank you. All right, everyone. You
0: have a good night. Hey, everybody, it's closing time. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here.